This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm so thankful that uh, God is merciful and He's good, He's kind, He's patient. You know, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you can find out about Him. Because the love there is the love of God. It describes. I like it from the Amplified. But I wanted to say just a quick word. Uh, we had the funeral for my mom Monday. And uh, many of you have contacted us and stuff. And uh, the whole family. We, we greatly appreciate it. Um, your, your kindness. One thing I love about this church family. Uh, we, we love on each other. And we help each other. And uh, we're there for each other. So appreciate it. Uh, so much made it through and uh, now I'm praying for dad and having fun with dad I thought I was going to have a very smooth sailing through the funeral um, because my dad didn't want anyone to speak except his minister at, at his church and the, the reason is you have to kind of know my dad but he, he wanted a very very short service I probably heard that a hundred times and uh uh, he didn't want anybody speaking as minister. And, and anyway, the Saturday, um, yeah, it was Saturday evening. I'm in the car with Ellen, and Ellen just out of the blue goes, "I think you're supposed to speak at your mom's funeral." I said, "Well, you know, Dad didn't want anybody. You know, he wants it short." She goes, "All you gotta do is ask him. You know that." I said, "Yeah, I know that." I, I was done me, I knew, but anyway, because I was kind of relieved I don't have to, to, to speak. I'm just going, you know, get through this. And uh, so I had to call the minister and because uh, he had asked me to call him one to uh, tell me a few things connect. So I call him and uh, as Ellen runs into the store and the first thing out of his mouth, he said, uh, Bob, I think you're supposed to speak. I don't care what your dad, you know, I want him, I don't want to hurt my dad, your dad, or anything like that. I said, well, I wouldn't do it if I'm talking to, to my dad. I said, I know it wouldn't be an issue. I said, okay. So anyway, and then you get into it, and you think you're fine, and there's this thing called grip of emotions, which come out of the blue. And uh, anyway, we had to take a couple timeouts, but we made it. But... But God is good even in the midst of trials and, and just like Pastor Rob was saying that just when life kind of stinks, things are happening, God is still good. And, you know, many times we, we say it easily that God is good and we'll say all the time, but having a revelation of that is a different matter. And we need to have that revelation. We need to have a deep revelation, understanding of how good God is. Because when you get that, it doesn't matter what he asks you to do. You know it's good. You know, even if it maybe hurts your flesh, you know it's good. And you're going to do it because you trust him. It's easier to trust someone that is head over heels in love with you. And that's Jesus. He loves you so much. And when he's that good, it's, it's easier to trust him. And I think it's part of what's missing in the body of Christ. We just don't know how good he is. We knew how good he is 
we would trust him and walk with him. And so we're, we're looking at a scripture that is misquoted and misunderstood many times in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to become conformed to the image of the Son, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So we hear this misquoted or misunderstood. I hear people say that uh, everything that happens in my life is good because God's causing all things to work together for good. That's not what this verse is saying. It's not everything that comes to you is not always good. Have you noticed that? Some of it's just plain bad, bad to the bone. It's bad. But see, when you're meeting the conditions that what um, the Word says, you have a promise from God, He will take whatever's coming against you and turn around for good. Whatever the bad is and the good, He didn't say, well, all the good that comes your way, I'm working together for your good. No, He said all things. All things, good and bad. He's able, he's a creative God, he's able to turn it for your good. And when you hear a great testimony of someone who maybe was uh, abused or went through just a horrible situation, I think of a testimony I heard years ago. It touched my heart so much that this, this mom had her son murdered. Uh, he was murdered and she was just heartbroken and had such a difficult time and she was uh, uh, just praying you know Lord help me with this and, and the Lord said I want you to start praying for the man who shot your son and her prayers were very short at first you know God bless him down the you know and get him in Jesus name <laughs> and it was like that but then the process started. I mean, no, we're in process. So the process kept going. She did every day. And then she started praying differently. And it came a point. She said, Lord, I forgive him. I realize how much you've forgiven me. I realize if not for the grace and mercy of God, I could have taken someone's boy's life. I could have taken someone's life. And she, she changed and she started speaking blessing over him. And even asked if she could come meet him, which they immediately said, no way. You're not coming to meet him. We don't know if you could take that. No one asked for that. You can't do that. And she wouldn't quit. She just kept on. Kept on and came. It was like the woman with the unjust, unjust judge. Just kept on keeping on. And finally, they said, okay, you can come in. And she came in, and, and he's just bewildered. Why do you want to meet me? And she said, because I love you. I love you in the Lord. And she started ministering the gospel to him. He gets saved. Life radically changed. He comes out of a prison. She gets him out early comes out and she calls him her new son. 
they have that close a relationship and they, they would just travel and give their testimony. Look and see what the Lord has done. Well, that is God redeeming something that was awful. It's bad. And causing all things to work together for good. And we know there's conditions on this. Condition number one was love God. Number two is called according to his purpose. So this is what we call a conditional promise. Say conditional promise. That means we have a part to play in this. We've got to do these things in order to meet the conditions. A lot of people are saying this. Even unbelievers will say this verse. It's okay. God's working all things together for my good. And they don't even know the Lord. They're not meeting conditions, but there are believers also not meeting the conditions. But what a powerful scripture that God has given us. Wow, whatever comes your way, God will cause it to work for good. That's a shouting good promise there. That's an awesome promise. Somebody should write a song about it. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you, have, you are disqualified. And, and disqualified, I'm not talking about losing your salvation here. Jesus Christ is in you. I'm talking about disqualified from the promises of God. You've got to examine your, your, your life at times. You need to look at your spiritual walk. Am I in the faith here in this area or am I going the wrong direction? Which reminds me, <laughs> I need to make a correction. I said something uh, during the offering when Dr. Leon was here and I said I, I, I gave a seed and I received ten, a 10,000 Return, 10,000 times return. Anybody remember that or just me? Oh, I shouldn't have to repent about this then. Huh? <laughs> no, no, I've got, I had to because the Lord just prompted me about it. And it, it wasn't a 10,000. It was a, well, I, I gave, we gave $2,000. It was a whole lot of money for us. And we received back $20,000. To me, it was like $10,000 return. But 10,000 times is a different number than 10 times. So that was evangelistic <laughs> through the door speaking. But I was excited <laughs> about the 20,000. Okay. I repent. I want to make the, set the record straight. <laughs> so you see in your notes there God is not the author of evil or bad but his character is slandered for being the author of evil this is consistently that you hear it all the time that God's doing bad or doing evil but we know the, the scriptures teach different just because God brings something good out of something bad does not mean that God does bad things and see, we can represent God to this world when we have this understanding in the right way. We need to represent Jesus in the right way. We talked about some myths concerning sovereignty. 
what God allows must be his will. We, we saw that's not necessarily true. God allows a lot of things through free will. He's given the free will to each and every person on this planet, and they have choices to make. So sovereignty is, in, in the dictionary, it meant independent one. No one tells God what to do. But he has sovereignly chose to give us a free will. So he is sovereign. I agree with that. But it's been abused and misunderstood by the body of Christ many times. Well, what will be will be. Well, it will be what you choose it to be. Well, I believe some people are destined for hell and some are destined for heaven. God says, I give you a choice. You choose heaven or hell. Well, I don't know about that. If God wants to save me, he'll save me. So what scripture say? Number two, God is controlling everything. He's not controlling everything. If he was controlling you, you would have not kicked your dog this morning. You would not have yelled at your wife about the burnt toast. No jamming elbows in this one. If God's in control of everything, he's doing a lousy job in some areas. I can. He's not in control of everything. And then again, can I say God's in control? Yes. He is in control. Ultimately, what he says will go, but he's given us a free will choice. And he's not controlling everything. I told you about the friend who um, is a Christian. He was killed in a, a car accident. And people at the funeral were saying, see, God knew what he was doing. He had that person run the stop sign. God, God knew there would be some people saved during this funeral. Excuse me. Someone has all, already died. His blood's already been spilled. And no one can take his place. That's all the death that was needed for someone to get saved. So we love God. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you're in love with somebody, there's a part of you that desires to please them. A pleasing of him. Does your life desire to please him and honor him? You're loving him. That's showing love. And you can go in many scriptures about love. Called according to his purpose. And we saw what his purpose was. So let's look at scripture again. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. For those who, who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. They might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we talked about foreknew means to know before. God saw through the corridors of time. He looked down. He saw that, that Bob would accept his gift of salvation. And at that point, it says he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He, he saw that I would do that. And then he had a plan. He made a plan for my life. 
a called according to his purpose. Now, this is talking about the ultimate purpose here, and the ultimate purpose is for my life to conform to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, I'm going to tell you his ultimate purpose is for you to conform to Jesus. You take Jesus to work, you take him to the gym, you take him driving, you take him to school, you're living the life and, and showing who Jesus is through your own life, expressing what he has done for you, expressing the grace that he bestowed upon you, living it out, and people will see because light shines in darkness. And how many will agree the, the world's getting darker? They're calling things that are good evil. It's one of the signs of the end times. So, so God foreknew. He saw. And those that didn't accept him, they have no plan. So foreknew and then predestinated. He predesigned for those that would accept Jesus Christ as Lord. He designed for them to have a, a trail, a path, and that's to conform to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a process that will take the rest of your life. You're processing. Now, that mean in your spirit, you're in your spirit, you have the image of Christ because you're a new creation. The Holy Spirit has come and taken up residence on the inside of your spirit. But I'm talking about, I mean, though, we have some flesh to deal with, some, some soul that's unrenewed, and we got to work with that. And we're to bring what's on the inside of our new creation man, bring it out to conform our soul and with the spirit and the soul together take dominion over the flesh how long do you deal with the flesh as long as you're breathing on this earth I don't want the flesh I have to deal with the flesh anymore okay take this poison die we're going to have to deal with the flesh you're going to have to talk to yourself. You're going to have to minister to yourself. You better run to the secret place some. See, that's our, our mistake. Bad things happen, and we run to the Internet to see what to get elaboration on the bad news. We're going to study it out and know exactly what's going on. Then we're going to feel bad about the bad news. And we don't run to the secret place. That's where your relief and answer is. Run. I mean, I have dove into the secret place before. Safe. <laughs> Anybody done any diving lately? So those he foreknew he planned their life or there's a life destination to be conformed to the image of christ and this in your notes god's ultimate purpose is for you to be conformed to the image of jesus you know I, if i'm a, a new creation the, the whole christian life is getting what god did on the inside of your spirit out working out your salvation to conform the rest of you. That your whole life 
looks like Jesus. And it's a process, we, and you have to be patient. But, but see what the, the condition is here, to love God and to be in process of conforming to Jesus' image. And truth is, we've all backed up before, and we've been a, a little still, not moving before. Amen? I, and at that moment, I'm on the seesaw here. Not everything's working for my good because <laughs> I'm, I'm to just continually be moving. I'm not saying you to be perfect about this or not, but your life should be progressing and moving forward to qualify for all things to work together for your good. Other words, you're not going to... You're not going to come and see God every once in a while and get the benefits of this promise. It's, it's, it's living for him. It's living with him in connection with him, fellowship with him, intimacy with him. It's living with him. Amen? Now, God is, is, is good when those bad things come and you're still, maybe you're not moving forward in the process he is good about using those bad things to put out a loudspeaker. Conform to the image of Christ, Bob. I thought I heard something. <laughs> and you do that. You do that and you say, you know what? I'm not in faith. I'm, like, I'm acting like a complete idiot here. I need to get back in faith. So what do I do? I get myself back in faith. It's a decision. Doesn't mean you're going to feel like it. Doesn't mean you're going, oh boy, I'm, we're going to get back in faith. No, I make the decision. I'm getting back in faith. And what happens when I repent and I turn, all of a sudden all things are working together for my good. He can even catch up on the things where I was not walking in the conditions, he can catch up and make those things work together for good. How many have seen something before Christ, before you got saved, that God has used to work good in your life? A few of us. I've seen it. So I wasn't even saved then, he said. I'm an awesome God. I can do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the Christian life is, you know, is getting the, the mind of the Spirit, renewing your mind. Renewing your mind in your spirit is everything, all the information, all the answers, because God dwells there. The Holy Spirit's there. Oh, I just need to go to heaven. Well, heaven's inside of you by the Spirit. All the answers are right there. But you have to take some time, renew your mind, study the Word, meditate on the Word, pray, spend time, and start getting that Word in you, getting agreement. The mind of Christ is in your spirit. The Word says you have the mind of Christ, but you have to draw it out. That's what revelation knowledge is. When the light bulb comes on, that's because you dip down into your spirit and it hits your natural mind, your physical mind. You hit it. Okay, revelation knowledge. 
And once you get revelation knowledge, no one's going to take that from you. It's yours. You can put it, put it in the bank. So, and you can read back. There's so much on the goodness and how good God is, but you can read back to Romans 8, 26, and 27, which is before this verse, and they also tie in too. It says where the, uh, the, the Spirit himself helps us in our weakness because we know not how to pray as we ought, but we pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that's how about speaking in an articulate speech that we've understood. The Spirit gives us words called praying in the Spirit. If you're not, you know, familiar with that, you can, you know, talk to uh, the prayer partners afterwards. But you know what you're doing when you're praying in the Spirit? You're tapping into your spirit. Your spirit is praying the words that you don't know you need to be saying to God. It says when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying to God. The things that he needs to hear to move in your behalf are on the inside. The Holy Spirit knows the plan of God for your life. He searches and knows what God has for you. So when you're praying in the spirit, you're bringing to light and giving God faith giving God faith in the very thing that you need. And you don't even understand what you're saying, but he does. And he'll illuminate it later to you. So you're tapping into the mind of Christ every time you do. So no wonder we need to be. And the beauty of it is you can, watching a, a sporting event, riding your car, you know, you can, you can pray in spirit anywhere, anytime. It's awesome. And you know what it's doing? Every time that you do, it's causing all things to work together in your life. Hmm. Okay. Wow. What's working in the earth today? Number one is God. Matthew 6, 9 through 10, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the will of God working in the earth. How? Through our will. He works through our will. We choose for him to work through us. For him to minister to us. We choose it. Act of our will. When it says that God repented in, in the Bible. Remember, he was bringing uh, judgment and there was an intercessor that stood in the gap said, God repented. He changed his mind. Was he changing his mind because there was, he was doing evil and bad? No. He was doing a just thing. He had to hear faith because he had given a free will choice to mankind. He had to hear some faith and someone to intercede that he could hear faith and be able to do his mercy and his compassion in that situation. God is good. He is good all the time. He is wonderful. He's an awesome God. But he's at work in the earth. Number two, Satan. The thief, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. 
when you see uh, the enemy come, God doesn't, he's not stealing, killing, and destroying. Did he do some things in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Was there grace and, and goodness in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Number three, man. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, so I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see the works of the flesh or, or man uh, at work there, and you know, flesh likes to gossip and, and strife, but we have a free will choice. The enemy has been confined to only be able to function and operate in darkness. And every time you allow the flesh to control your life, you are opening the door to the enemy because you're opening the door to darkness. And you have to, when you bring the light back in and you repent, you close the door to the enemy and you're able to walk in the grace and the strength of the Lord. It's not a sin to be tempted. And that, that's something we need to understand too. Jesus was tempted. If it's a sin to be tempted, Jesus was tempted, yet the Bible says he was without sin. We're, we're all tempted each and every day. It's what we do with it. Do we follow the light or follow the darkness? Do we say no to the flesh and yes to God? The more time you spend with God, the more time you're in his word, it starts a transformation change. It's almost like it, it's more believing than doing. That makes sense. It is believing. Believing will cause the doing. But see, we want to be doing the doing, and we think that will cause us to receive through believing. But we believe. Say, I believe. True believing will cause true action. The two are together. They're tied together. So can you share with your, your prayer partner, I have this temptation, will you pray for me? Absolutely. I've seen people go, oh, don't share that. Oh, oh, warning, don't share that. Well, this is my prayer partner. I feel safe. I'm comfortable here. Can, can I, I share with this person? Well, of course you can. Sure you can. Have some agreement. Have some prayer. What if you were walking in the sin, not just temptation? You need somebody praying with you, helping you. That's where the body of Christ. Last time I checked the book, none of us are perfect here on this earth. So we're all in the same boat. We're helping and encouraging and strengthening and being there for each other. So repent, close the door on the devil. And God will cause all things to work together for good. Every person murdered, raped, victimized, abused, judgment coming, God will balance the scales. Romans 8, 17, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present light, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us, to us, and in us, and for us, and conferred on us. Glory is coming. 
I don't care what kind of suffering you've been through. The worst suffering anybody has ever had on this earth does not compare to the glory of God that God has for you. Hallelujah. You're going to be glad. <laughs> Get to heaven. I didn't know it was going to be this good. Yes. So good. So some things happen to us. It's God. It's Satan. Or it's man. A lot of times it's just us. Poor choices. We do the wrong thing. 2 Peter 3 verse 7. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. One day is coming where there will be a fire on the ungodly people. That's the reason we must always be reaching out to the, to the ungodly. Now, I'm not a scientist, but you know, there's a lot of groups out there, and they're talking about save planet Earth. Anybody heard of this group? Save the planet we got a problem here. We're going to destroy this planet. And then you got the Mother Earth people. Oh, precious Mother Earth, we must take care of you. And it becomes where, <laughs> where creation is worshiping creation and not the creator. It's in Romans 2 where it talks about that. Not in Romans 2, it's also in Romans, since we're talking about Romans 8. It might be chapter 2, I think it's 1. But okay. Trying to watch my mouth. But anyway, you read this verse, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, but it sounds like here that people are not reading the Bible. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. It, it says, God is upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. So the word of God's upholding everything. So may I submit to you a different thought. Man can't destroy this earth. Because it says he's holding it up and maintaining it until the day of judgment. And then it's going to burn up. Now hold it. Don't look at me that way. Do I like recycling? Yes. I'm married to the recycler. <laughs> she brings home from church because we don't have recycling here at the church. She says, would you please get the stuff in my trunk? Well, sure. Go out there and the trunk's full of empty boxes and stuff and to be put in our recyclable men. So what's this stuff back here? No answer. Yes, I believe in taking care of the planet and doing those things. But I think we should be really directed about souls, what it sounds like to me. There's coming the day this thing's going to burn up. Judgment's coming. 
Do I believe in global warming? I do. Maybe in an extreme way. I think this whole thing's going to be burned up in one day. You're talking about some global warming. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. God never commanded us to pray for planet Earth or Mother Earth. He didn't. He never said that. He said pray about souls and people. I'm not saying you can't pray, I guess, in faith for your yard and stuff. I'm just, just general strokes here. If God broke his word one time, everything would disintegrate because he's upholding it by his word. Heard the other day about a possible meteor. Everybody hear about this? The meteor that is, they think, headed this way and could destroy planet Earth. And I think it's, was it 2030? You might say this. Anyway, don't worry. God's upholding this planet by his word. That meteor might come, but it's going to turn. This earth ain't going to be destroyed. The smithereens gone because God's got it. And he's keeping it, he said, until the day of judgment. Then we're going to have a new earth. Verse 8, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The goodness of God. He's saying, I want everyone to repent. I want everyone to come to the saving knowledge of God. He wants everyone saved. It's plain. God is good. He didn't say, it says, God so loved the world. There was no one was left out of that. No rejects. Everyone was included in that. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. It's his will to save us. He actually chose us. But in order to bring that together, or to bring that covenant together, you've got to choose him. And surrender your life to him. God is a yes God in the garden. Think about this. There's thousands of trees in that garden. All of them were yes trees. Can I have one of the yes, yes, a yes tree. All these yes trees all around. But he puts one tree that's a no tree. Just one. He could have put thousands of no trees. And just one yes tree. But he's a good God. He put thousands of these trees. Why did he put that tree? Because there is no free will without choice. It has to be a real choice. So there was a choice there. That was made. And then he comes into the garden. Adam, have you eaten of the tree? There's, you know, consequences. And what does Adam say? Adam said, yes. It's that woman you gave me. See, 
Adam blamed two people at the same time. He blamed the woman and he blamed God. And it's happening today too. People blame people and they'll blame God. The woman, what does she do? She blames the snake. Woman said it was that snake. That snake came walking in. Now I kind of feel sorry for the snake. He didn't have a leg to stand on. But the consequences is he's crawling around on his belly. <laughs> so what did God say? I'm sending a seed of a woman that will, you will bruise his heel, but he'll bruise your head. And he would be Lord, Lord of all. But here's what I want you to see. It's interesting in closing here. Get this. What God did not say is very interesting. God didn't go, hmm, hey, Adam and Eve, I've had some time to think about this. You know what? This is kind of my fault. You know, I put that tree there. I allow that tree to be in your garden and you know I did allow Satan to tempt you and since I allowed that you know this whole thing is really my fault I may have heard excuses like that well God allowed it God allowed it he did not receive any of that He didn't take any responsibility for their choice, for their poor choice, their their sinful choice. He didn't take any responsibility for it. Because he had no responsibility for it. He gave them a free will choice and they chose. They could say, well, God, why did this happen? Your choice. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. But here's the clincher. God loved them so much he took personal responsibility to fix the mess they created. Don't blame God. Know who the author of evil and bad is. Don't blame God, but run to him. He can handle the mess you created. What great love that he showed, even with their their poor choices. And even today with our poor choices, if we'll run to him, he'll turn it around and he will cause even the poor choices to be turned around for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's bow our heads. 
You know, God will, he will not make you love him. He will not choose for you. You must choose to love him. You must choose him. But let me say this, no one's more lovable than God. No one's more wonderful than our Savior. No one's more peaceful and more comforting than, our, than the Spirit of God. He is so good. He's so kind. He's so patient. So loving. He picks us up when we fall down. When our life didn't count for anything, he raised us up to make our life count. When we were unworthy and unacceptable, he made us worthy and acceptable. When we were a disgrace, he graced us and was gracious. Even when we hurt his heart, his heart reached out with love and forgiveness. He's crowned with tender mercies. He's long-suffering. It's a gentle God. He's an awesome God. And this, this morning, if you never accepted Jesus as Lord, I give you an opportunity. He's not only good to believers, he's good to the unrighteous. He said that he causes the sun to rise on the ungodly and the godly. He causes the rain to come down to water our crops on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's good. And the goodness of the Lord leads a person to repentance. It's not the judgment of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. If today you've never chose Jesus, if you've never made that decision, in just a moment I want you to say a prayer with me where you just give your heart and say, Lord, I'm choosing you. And you give him your life. And for the others, maybe you saw today that not all things are working together for your good because you haven't been conforming to his image. Or maybe you haven't been loving him. And you want to get those conditions fulfilled to see all things work together for good. That you just want you to lift your hand. We're just going to pray together. There'll be prayer partners in just a few moments. You can come down and receive prayer. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I see that. Let's, let's pray together. Say, dear Lord, thank you for your great salvation. Thank you for being so good. Good to me. Even when I didn't know you, you've been good. 
And Lord, I receive you as my master, as my savior, as my Lord. I'll live for you each and every day with the strength which you provide. I make a choice to call you my King and Lord. I choose you, Jesus. I choose you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me up to overflowing. Even with that heavenly language. To connect with my new spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your kindness. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.